Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Lighthouse Podcast, a fall episode, if you will. Oh, it's almost. Can you hear it in my voice? It's almost officially (laughs) fall, right? (laughs) Almost. Well, September 23rd, and I know this for a fact because my son's birthday is the 22nd. So for the last 24 years, we do not celebrate fall till the day after his birthday, Mm. but I can feel it coming. So you can kind of hear it in my voice. It's like caffeine for me. <laughs> Fall is when it finally gets here, which I'm in Atlanta. So it's going to be a hot minute, but I, I, it's like caffeine. I get your, there will be a fake fall. Oh, there'll be several. Yeah. It'll be so and sad then, for me. Then there'll be a hot, then take us right <laughs> back to August. Right back then, to yeah. August. Yeah. yeah. There'll be at least two fake falls, but when it hits, it is just, it's the it best, is. best thing ever. All the things, the leaves, the smell, the sweaters, the fire pits, the cider, all the, all the things. You, you, did, you forgot to mention one. This leaves the fire pits the foot oh yeah ball the football never Christy. missing an opportunity the football on Saturdays I mean there's say Sunday it. football too but you know you want to say it. football go dogs yeah there it is um, yeah. some Georgia Bulldog yep. football and a lot of other people playing football but um but yeah there football. are a lot of other people playing football people playing. thanks for acknowledging the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. of us <laughs> yeah War Eagle but it is football in full effect as well um so yeah it's fantastic but I'm a huge fan huge fan of, of fall as well did you all know that that Chris is a huge fan of football that might of be fall. Oh, I thought you meant just football. I was going to say, that might be news to everyone. I'm also a huge fan of fall. I love the cool weather. I love just the changing, all the things, and you walk out a little bit more crisp in the morning. Any Um, day now. Spectacular. Spectacular. Um, Hey, I want to take a minute and just um, say thanks to all our friends that came out this past weekend to help us raise awareness and funds for families uh, that are going through childhood cancer and and that are a part of Lighthouse. Um, We had a great, um, great weekend, both in Florida and Atlanta. Uh, and Atlanta was a real blast getting to see, it was a blast from the past, actually, to see all the <laughs> outfits um, from the 80s and just the 80s music. It was a real hoot, um, for sure. Um, on the 80s, Christy, um, do you know what today is? I'm thinking we're off the fall topic of conversation. Yeah, I'm going to go off the fall for okay. a minute. Off the fall for Can't uh, wait to hear. Okay. It's National Video Game Day. Wow, that's that's a fun so, one. So, uh, video games for me now are not that big of right. a thing, but in the eighties, mm-hmm. right? Because Gold Party eighties, yeah. Um, in the eighties, a big deal. Did you have like a favorite video game from the eighties? Well, just last for my past, I was kind of a nerd, not a video game kind of nerd, but like a nerd that I lived in the middle of nowhere, and the there was a mall. It was a little bit far away, and I was not one of those kids that got to go there, and I didn't get to go there. I did not. So. Mm. I didn't have a lot of, I mean, I know that there is a Miss Pac-Man and yeah. I know she pops around and, but I Eats didn't, ghosts. I yeah. don't have like a huge um, memory or childhood yeah. of memory of yeah. any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would go to the arcade. That's where um, the cool kids went. I was yeah. not one of them. So yeah, thanks, called, for, um, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> great memories. Yeah. Great memories. Um, um, but I would play Pac-Man for sure. Uh, and Galaga. Galaga was uh, a big, big game for me. So you have no idea what that is. Some people listening might i'm gonna guess it has something to do with space but other than that really there you go well done you know there's a tv show i think or something you nailed it yeah so but anyway national video game okay great well i'm gonna bring us back from the 80s to today Mm -hmm. um it's september we're doing childhood cancer awareness month and this week is part two of just telling us stories about our families to celebrate them and to educate everybody about what they're going through as a family that's right. So this week, we get to talk with this amazing mom, uh, Mia Bell. So she's a single mother of three, Maurice, Corey, and Chloe. And in 2017, the Bell family's world was 
flipped upside down when Chloe was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma. So after completing initial treatment, life took an unexpected turn at about the 21 month mark. And then she has also now faced relapse. So let's take a, a little bit of time here and listen in on Mia's story. Well, hey, Mia, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. Thank you for saying yes and joining us and telling a little bit of your story. Um, To give our listeners a little bit of background, um, can you give us some insight into um, Chloe's diagnosis? How did did things start? How old was she? Um, Just give us a little bit of background. Um, Chloe was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma at the age of four in June 2017. We went into the hospital Memorial Day weekend Um, And that was probably after about two-ish, two and a half months of going back and forth from the urgent care, the emergency room, and her primary care. Um, And nobody could figure out what it was. Um, She did some scans, but they were more so like on her leg and not her stomach area. Um, By the time she started experiencing a lot of pain and it was in in her thigh, so we thought maybe she had fallen. Um, but then it quickly moved from the thigh to like both arms. So we didn't really know what was going on. And then she had a lot of back pain. Um, she had three abdominal tumors, um, that were causing so much pain that she was literally turning the top half of her body from the bottom half to relieve pressure. And she was walking on her tippy toes. So we made it back to the hospital Memorial Day weekend and, um, Barnes, the doctor, I think that week she had 13 tubes of blood taken from her and we still weren't sure what was going on. Um, and the doctor just lightly touched her back, you know, to lean in and do a just a quick exam on her. And when he touched her back, she screamed out in pain because it was just so much inflammation. And he backed away like, this is out of my realm. So he called Children's and they said, send her down here immediately. So we went into Children's, what was the eighth floor. At that time, they were dealing with um, like bone diseases and arthritis. So that's where they sent us. Um, She did some testing. We stayed overnight and um, thinking we would go home the next day. And the doctors came in and, you know, gave us some news we weren't prepared for, so we didn't get to go home. Yeah. Yeah. But gosh, what a tumultuous two and a half months of just the back and forth. It it really was crazy because we didn't know what was going on with her and she'd be in pain, you know, one minute. And then once it let up, she'd be okay. Um, You know, I got a lot of probably crazy looks. People probably thought I was crazy because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And I'm like, no, something's clearly wrong with her. She's in a lot of pain. Um, they gave us ACE bandages to wrap her up in, told us to give her Tylenol, Motrin, put her on vitamin D. Um, it was nothing obviously helped. Well, and at the age she was, they're not always super clear verbally about like what hurts or like they can't describe it really well because they don't have the words. You just know that they're in pain. Exactly. And she didn't know where I was coming from. And, you know, we'd ask her questions like, did you fall? And she's like, yeah, I think I fell. So we're like, OK, well, maybe it happened in the fall. But clearly it wasn't. So yeah. it was difficult. So when they came in to give you the diagnosis, it's my understanding that your boys were there and they were young at, at that time. They were around 10, 13. Looking back, like what was that like to have them there? You, you didn't expect it. So you didn't 
it, you know, you didn't know, or and maybe you would have made the same choice, but what was it like to have them in the room and managing everyone's emotions, your own emotions, and then their emotions and questions? And they're saying, they. I mean, neuroblastoma is not a word that most people know unless, unless you know. So that word probably didn't even mean anything to you guys at first. What was that process like with them? Um, it, it was horrible. It was horrible. If we could do it all over again, I would prefer that they not find out that way. Um, like they were 10 and 13. They didn't know what was going on with their sister. They just knew that she was in the hospital and she wasn't feeling well and she hadn't been feeling well for a while. Um, and they came in and they said, well, we have some news. Um, you don't get to go home. We're going to send you upstairs to the ninth floor because we think she has leukemia or cancer. And when I heard that, I checked out. So I know they checked out and they're probably like, well, what is, you know, like, what is that? What's going on? We thought we were going home. So I didn't have enough time to process it for myself to be able to help them process it. So it was just, it wasn't a good day at all. We went from the eighth floor to the ninth floor. She's getting hooked up um, with monitors and things like that. She's got to be rushed to get a Broviac and start treatment. So there was no time for me to process it, to walk them through it. Yeah. yeah. So how long once you, you, they said it was either leukemia or another type of cancer, how long were you on the ninth floor before they told you the actual diagnosis? I believe she went down for MIBG the first. So it was around the second, third, maybe when we got the actual diagnosis um, that it was neuroblastoma in her stage. So. And so you guys got, you're sent up to the ninth floor. I mean, how long are you guys there? I mean, did, did any, did you have help that come, someone come get the boys? Or uh, yeah, they were, you were guys with just... my dad when we went in that night. Um, so they stayed with him and then they went back home with him. So Chloe and I went in and we were there for 15 days before we left. Oh, oh my goodness. So yeah, she had to start chemo immediately. That's what we were told. That's, um, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. It, it is. It is. And she didn't know what was going on. She was she was pretty scared. Yeah. Yeah. What did treatment look like from from that point forward? Did they did they have a plan? Did it change a lot? Um, well, she was given an 18 month uh, treatment plan um, and she was stage four diagnosis. So her life expectancy was cut by probably 50 percent. I think it was at the time that we were starting. Um, so she had chemo. Um, radiation, tumor resection, um, immunotherapy, and um, um, stem cell removal and replacement. Um, and they told us that, you know, if she didn't complete any part, it would cut her life by 20% on top of what it already was. So, of course, we, you know, said we were doing everything. That is a lot for a little person. Yes. It, yeah, it, it was a lot, especially for somebody who never had to take medicine in or willingly, I guess I'd say, you know, at two and three, you can just pop it in some juice and they don't really know what's going on. So um, to go from that to constantly having to take Tylenol or um, any type of liquid medication every day before scans, before treatment, it was it was not fun for her. No. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot for you um, to manage as a mom, managing all of that. And then you've got two boys that you're being a, a mama to. And, 
Like how did how did you manage all of that? What what um, what were some things that um, that helped you to do it? Um, I know those guys are they were in those teenage years and they're probably starting to figure out how to be a little independent, but they still needed their mama. Um, how did you manage that? Um, it was hard. It really was hard. They had to grow up fast. Um, they had to become self sufficient um, pretty quick. Um, I micromanaged from the hospital, taking care of them. You know, um, I call when it's time to get up for school, make sure they were ready, going out to the bus. Um, we didn't really have like a lot of friends and family that could or that would pitch in and, you know, make sure things were done. So between the three of us, we we just had to make it work. Yeah. Sometimes that's what happened. I mean, a lot of times people ask, I don't know how you do it. And he's like, you, you, you do, do it. it you do it because you have to, and that's who you are and who you're going to be and who your family's going to be. And you just, you got to figure it out. Um, you're certainly not going to quit. You're not going to give up. Right. So you figure out how to do it. That's that, that's where that, that mom power, super mom. yeah, that super mom strength comes in and you, you figure it out. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, um, but it, that doesn't make it any easier. No, no, it doesn't. It, you, it's a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> What kind of things helped Chloe? I'm sure you it was t- you know trial and error finding things that helped her cope with her treatment um, as she went through those months. What kind of things did you find that helped her? Um, with her original diagnosis, um, her brothers were able to visit. So um, when they came, it was just it was like normal, like we were at home. She wasn't she didn't have cancer. She wasn't hooked up to anything. You know, they treated her the same. They would take her toys. They would aggravate her. (laughs) It was normal for her. And she really liked it, you know, because that's what she knew. And then when they left, you know, she didn't have that anymore. Um, Art therapy. She loved that. Um, She painted, I believe, every single day (laughs) colored. Um, She liked yoga a little bit, but not so much. Um, You know, sometimes she wouldn't feel good or in pain. Um, But she learned to do a lot of techniques with painting and now she's a self-taught drawer. Oh, wow. Nice. That's amazing. Very neat. Um, tell us a little bit, um, some details. You had the final scan um, conducted just before she would have been declared um, no evidence of, of disease. Talk, talk Her last, us through what um, happened. scan, we were probably 21, 22 months. Um, so she would have did that last scan and it came back clear. Bone marrow was clear. She had no disease that showed anywhere on her MIBG from head to toe and bone marrow was still clear. Um, so in two more months, three more months, she would have hit that last scan uh, within that two year time frame. And then if it would have been clear, you know, they would have, she would have been NED um, and she, she didn't quite make it. <laughs> yeah. That I can't, I really can't imagine what that would be like to get that news. Um, she was older at that point. Did she understand, like, because she's understanding more, um, did she understand, like, the concept of relapse? She, you know, I don't think she understood the concept of relapse. Um, and she, at that point, she probably didn't understand that her cancer could even come back because it wasn't a conversation that we were having. Um we were pretty much just getting into that normal space to where we were allowing ourselves to think that, you know, I think, I think we beat it. You know, I think we're going to be okay. And she popped up with a bump in her skull, which was 
off because their first tumors were in her abdomen. So we thought maybe it's mosquito bite, bug bite. But as time went on, it was clear that it was something different. Um, so when she found out she relapsed, um, she was vocal. I mean, she she was very vocal. Um, she asked me, why didn't they get it the first time? Why do I have to keep going to the hospital? So she understood and she was not happy this, you know. Now in, in all of this or somewhere in all of this, she did she also pick up some gymnastics? Did she start doing yeah. some of that? Yes. Doing? Yes. Um, she, <laughs> once she started school, she wants to go every day. Um, I'm waiting to see how long this is going to last. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she does not like to miss school. Even when we come home from treatments, she wants to go right away. Um, so she picked up gymnastics just as something to do. Um, She's not really into like basketball and things like that. So we said, well, we'll try gymnastics. And um, she was a little skeptical at first because it's a lot of activity, but she has grown oh, to love it. That's amazing. So that's become a little outlet for her. It, it has. It really has. She's actually doing um, summer camp with her um, gym, too. So she likes it. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. fantastic. I love hearing that. So you're it, it, you're traveling to New York for treatment now, is that correct? Is that where you have to go? Um, how do you manage that schedule with kids and travel? And that's that's really hard. It it is. Um, it's really exhausting on us because we fly in the day before she has whatever's going on, and then we fly out the day after. So it's no no rest. Um, you know, we get in get unpacked, try to get settled. And then we're at the hospital one to two days and then we're flying back home. And that um, day we come back home, she's probably has a hundred and four temp, her legs swollen. She's in a lot of pain. So, you know, we're just trying to get back home and get settled. Um, the boys are at home. We've been doing it a, a year now and we have two more years, um, but it's, it's spaced out now so that's nice um we'll have our last trip august 22nd we go um so that's the last one of this year and then two next year and then one 2025 so all right um how are the boys doing with that with you guys traveling to do that um i they're doing really well surprisingly um i think it helps that you know she gets to come home um, she doesn't have the Broviac, so if she spikes a fever, it doesn't matter. We can still leave. Um, so I think it's it it's it works for them because we get to come right back home. Yeah. Yeah. How's your mama heart when you've got to leave those boys? Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> it's crushed every time. <laughs> but we Facetime a lot, and you know, um, Corey will be starting school the week that we're gone, so I'll be calling him. Um, I, I still mess up on that time difference. So I call them at 5 a.m. instead of 6. It just gives him more time to get ready for school. You're just you're just preparing him early. That's right. That's right. It's an early wake-up call. I would imagine that those boys are pretty protective of their sister, even though they used to take her toys in the hospital and stuff. I would imagine that the older they get, they're probably pretty good big brothers to her. They are. They really, really are. Yeah. As soon as we come in the door, I, they don't even speak to me. They're just like, where's Chloe? And then they're like, oh, hey, mom, how are you? So, yeah, their bond is pretty special. That's great. Good for them. So, Mia, what would you say, you know, you've been in this journey for a while um, and it's long and you've probably met moms even 
now, like when you're in New York or at clinic, what what would you say to someone that's kind of in the beginning end or just starting out? Like, what advice would you have or what would you say has kind of helped you kind of navigate this journey with Chloe and your boys? Um, don't give up. Yeah. It's a long, hard fight. Um, and give yourself some grace uh, because you're going to want to know what you did wrong and you did nothing wrong. Um, it is just happened. Um, so yeah, be kind to yourself and love those babies every, every minute. Um, I'm always calling my boys, texting them, you know, I'm, I try to tell them, you know, every day before they go to work or school, you know, I love you. Have a good day. You know, I'll see you when you get home. Um, make each one feel special in every single way because they are. Um, the road is is long and hard on the siblings as well. And unfortunately, a lot of people forget about them. So yeah. well, your boys will remember that. They will. They'll remember those words. So you keep doing that. That's great advice for, for moms out there. Um, what's been your greatest strength? What's your greatest hope? What keeps you going? Um, the fact that Chloe keeps going. I mean, she's, she's a fighter. She is, she's got a spirit in her. <laughs> so when I see her, you know, going and, and keep going that, and that's what keeps me going. Yeah. I tell her, you know, she, um, our pastor used to say in church all the time, you know, she was put here on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. So, I, you know, I try to remind her every day that you have a purpose. We don't know what it is and how long it's, you know, you're going to be doing it, but We'll roll with it. I love that. Mia, thanks so much. It was really great to get to talk to you and talk to you about your family and your boys and Chloe. And we'll be thinking about you as you make your travels to New York coming up. Um, And just thanks for sharing the hard and the good stuff with us. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys are welcome. Christy, just grateful Mia took some time to spend with us and just share about not just Chloe, but all of her kids and just the journey they've been on. Mia, thank you for being a part of this. Um, friends, uh, we're really grateful for you guys. Grateful you listen. Um, be sure to tell friends uh, about this podcast uh, so we can raise some more awareness of what families are going through. And we'll see you next week on the Lighthouse Podcast.